0: Well, like I said, I started a little study on how to solve problems uh, in January. Our first lesson, in our first lesson, we saw that the solution to our problems is in the problem itself. Uh, We're not going to turn there. I'm just going to do a little review of what we've seen so far. But we saw in uh, Psalms 46, verse 1, and it says there, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help where? In trouble. Yeah, in trouble. And we will not fear though the earth be be removed. Do you know why? And there's coming a time when the earth will be removed. There's coming a time when the mountains will all shake. There's coming a time when everyone's face will turn pale except those who know that in spite of what's happening, the whole world disintegrating, they will know that there's a God behind this thing and that He works everything out together for good to them that love the Lord. And so there will be a group who loved the Lord. In Desire of Ages 330 it says. In every difficulty he has his way prepared to bring relief. Where? In the difficulty. And that's what we saw in our, first, in our first little study together. The people of Israel were caught between a, hard, a rock and a hard place. They were by the sea. The Red Sea. And they had the children of Egypt. I can call them that. The Egyptians were hot on their trail. They were stuck. Was the Red Sea a problem to them? Yes. What was it that solved the problem? The Red Sea. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. In our second lesson, we saw that God presents himself not as a surgeon, but as a teacher. There's a lot of people who would wish that God would present himself as a surgeon. In all of their troubles, they wish they could climb onto the operating table, be put to sleep, and then the Lord as a surgeon would work out our little problems, right? And when he's all done and he's all finished and we wake up from the operation, everything is finished. And there's a lot of people who wish Christianity was like that. Is that the way Christianity is? No, that's not the way Christianity is. God says, I will instruct you. I will teach you. I will guide you with mine eye upon you. I won't lose sight of you. But if God is the teacher and he does the teaching, what does he expect of us? Yeah. To do the learning. That's what he expects of us. And so he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, study, right? Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed. This God who is a teacher in lesson three, we found out that he has three lesson books. The Bible, nature, and life's experiences. We can read the Bible and in there we find a theory for life. We can go to nature and observe life as it is demonstrated by God in nature. And it teaches all kinds of truth to us. But friends, let me tell you what. If we don't take the theory, if we don't take that which is demonstrated in nature and bring bring it into the laboratory of life's experience, then all of it will avail nothing. I am convinced, personally, that the, the, the book of life's experience is the most important book of all. Not that the Bible's not important. Not that we can't learn a lot of lessons from nature. But if you don't bring those things into your life, it's all worth nothing. How many of you would bring a dress to be made by, by a lady or a man who says he's a, he's a, a tailor? Who's learned all that he knows from, about tailoring from a book. He's never used a sewing machine. Would you bring your clothes to be made there? <laughs> well, it doesn't make any sense, right? no. It's got to be in the experience of the man himself. And so we found in that last lesson that a math teacher, when she wants or he wants to teach math, what does he use? Math problems. That's right. And if you so happen to learn your math problems so that when he gives you a problem, you can do it correctly, what will the math teacher do? Well, he'll give you harder problems. Why? Why? Because he can't get you from knowing simple math to algebra to geometry to calculus without increasing the problems as we go. Well, what do you suppose God is like seeing that he presents himself as the teacher of life? He says you can learn to live life correctly. You can learn to live life successfully only as I send you life's problems. And so that's what the Bible says. Man that is born of a woman is a few days, and we don't have a long time in school, apparently. And life is what? Full of trouble. That's because, of course, we're in school. Anyway, to finish our review, we finally came to the place where we began to study the A, B, and C of problem solving. And we saw what the A was. Does anyone remember what A of problem solving is? Accept the assignment. That's what it was. You're a good student. We have one good student. (laughs) Well, maybe we have more. She's just faster than the rest. Yeah. Accept the assignment. And we read this in Ministry of Healing 481, paragraph 3. The faithful discharge of today's duties is the best preparation. That is, it's the best education for tomorrow's trials. Ah, does God mean to say that tomorrow we're going to have trials? Does God mean to say that? Oh, yes. Oh, friends. From here on out, life is full of trouble and you can expect nothing else. So I guess you can start worrying about tomorrow, right? Oh, no. The same Jesus says, take no thought for tomorrow. Why? For tomorrow takes enough thoughts for itself. Today, no. You've got enough problems today. (laughs) Leave tomorrow alone. But, friends, It's nothing to worry about because we have a teacher who knows just what he's doing. He's applying just the right pressure. And there is nothing going to tempt us or test us beyond that which we are able. And the whole scam, the whole scheme is to get us from point A to point B, from point B to point C, from point C to point D, and to keep on growing in Christian character. This is the whole thing. Lastly, Steps to Christ 83, paragraph 2. They have only. Now let me say we have only. We have only to go forward quietly. Isn't that a peaceful thought? Hey, relax. This is what Jesus says. I'm your teacher. I can get you from point A to point B. That's my job. I know what to do. I'll present the problems. You meet them correctly. You meet them. Hey, meet them in peace. They're coming. And little problems, little problems, bigger problems, whatever the problems, just meet them quietly. We have only to go forward Quietly. Doing faithfully the work that God's providence assigns. Now, what does God's providence do? It gives us assignments, right? Do you know that every time something comes into your life, it's an assignment come from God? He is the orderer of all your experiences. All things work together for good. And he says, now today's lesson is this. And he sends somebody into your life. He sends something into your life. He sends a change of circumstance. He, he, he loses your green card. <laughs> Whatever it is he does. Do you know that it's only an assignment from God? He says, be quiet. Hey, deal with it in a Christian spirit. I'll get you from point A to point B. They have, we have only to go forward quietly, doing faithfully the work that God's providences assign, and our lives will not be in vain. The Lord is not going to make us all president of the United States. The Lord is not going to make us all general conference presidents. The Lord has a specific place for each person. And sometimes we get all in the thither because we want to go there and God wants us over here. If we could only learn to submit and say, hey, whatever you want for me, I'd be happy to occupy any place in life. I have no personal ambitions except to do the will of God, to glorify his name, to bless everyone around me. Then God says, "Okay, I will send you some assignments and you're going to grow in grace. You're going to be a blessing to the people around me. So, the first, the first point in how to solve problems, accept the assignment. Accept the assignment. And this is part two of accept the assignment, so we're going to stay right there. I want to develop the thing a little more. Now, supposing you're really busy, and I know you are. Everybody's really busy. And so you've got so much to do, but you want to have a garden, okay? And so you're looking for a window of time in order to go and work in your garden. Finally, you see that you might have a little space in a specific day to go and work in your garden. So you make plans that on that that day, you're going to go and work in the garden. And so the day comes and the hour comes and all of a sudden there's a huge thunderstorm and it's pouring cats and dogs out there. (coughs) What should you do? Accept the assignment, right? That's the assignment that He's given you. Can you believe that it's in God's hands? Can you believe that? Is it a problem? Well, sure it's a problem, right? I mean, what do you, this is not what you had planned. It's, it's throwing everything out of kilter. But we believe that God is the order of all our experiences. God is the teacher. God is organizing our lessons. And let me tell you something. It's a lot easier to accept this kind of assignment. I mean, we're not going to get all in the thither, are we, because it's raining? No. Well, I tell you what, it's a lot harder to accept assignments when people are connected with them. Did you know that? Do you know how easy it is to get all insulted and all angry and all impatient and mean-spirited because someone who has promised to be there at 8 o'clock is not there at 8 o'clock? Did you know that? And we are left standing outside in the cold, first on one foot, then on the other. Half an hour goes by, an hour goes by. Is this a providence? What do you think? Yes, yeah. Why no, you say? It's not a providence. That's ignorance. That's a lack of common courtesy. That's thoughtlessness, you know? That's the truth. It is ignorance, it is thoughtless, it is a lack of politeness on the part of the one Who is not courteous. But as far as you and me are concerned, it's what? It's a providence. That's what it is. And do you know that God is seated in heaven and he's watching? Do you know that he is the one that has ordered this thing? And he is watching. And he's watching to see how we're going to deal with the individual who's dealt us a blow. He's watching to see how we're going to relate to this circumstance and wonder if we're going, how we're going to come out in this thing. Are we going to come out with the Spirit of Jesus? Or is our own personal spirit going to rise up and decide that we're going to strike because we've been dealt a blow? How is it with you? We're in Matthew 18. Did I ask you to turn there? Matthew 18. We look at verse 7. Very interesting verse in verse 7 of Matthew 18. Woe to the world because of offenses. Are there offenses in the world? Are people offensive in the world? Do we have to go to the world to find people offensive? (laughs) I'm just wondering. Woe to the world because of offenses. So, if... The world is the world because they are offensive and it's not the only place where people are offensive. Uh, how, do we, how do we relate to this thing? Do you suppose that some of the world is in the church? Yeah, when offensiveness is in the church, so is the world. But the Lord says, woe to the world. Woe to the offensive, really is what it's saying. However, notice what it says. It must needs be That offense has come. Do you know what the word must is? It's an imperative. God looks at this whole world. He looks at everyone in it. He knows that we all need to be offended. Did you know that? This is what it's saying here. It's necessary that offense comes to us. Because it builds character. And we need to have a character of Jesus. And Jesus doesn't know any other way to help us to build sweetness than to have us offended. Are you uh, sweet when you're offended? How sweet are you when you're offended? Woe to the offensive. However, it must needs be that people be offensive. Isn't that amazing? What a verse. But woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Why the woe? Because of the offenses. And you know, when God says woe, and Jesus said woe many times to the Pharisees, right? They were legalistic. They were very religious. And they wore their religions and their feelings. on Anyone? Or anything went contrary to what they believed. They became offensive. They really did. They were hard on other people. And Jesus oftentimes said to those hypocrites. You're offensive. Woe unto you. And friends, when the Lord says woe, woe. That's all I can say. But the offenses must come. Now, don't get the idea that you can go around offending people because offenses offenses must come. (laughs) Oh, no. You know, sometimes we have the mindset that we are the teacher. But you know, the Bible says that God is the teacher. We aren't always necessarily the teacher. Now, the Bible does say also that God's children will be teachers, but they will be teachers of righteousness. They will be teachers of God's love. Now, sometimes we need to punish our children. There's no doubt. So I don't want to confuse this whole thing. But I do want to get us to the place where we don't believe that we have every time we see somebody doing something contrary to what we think, that it's our job to correct everything we see that needs corrected or correcting. The offenses must come, but it's for our education. And sometimes we don't know the education that other people need. David said in Psalm 76, verse 10, the wrath of man shall praise thee. Isn't that amazing? The ignorance of men, the carelessness of men, the thoughtlessness of men. God is using the mistakes of men, the failures of men, the wickedness of men to put me in the position where I can learn something. So, no matter what men will do to me to interfere with my plans, whatever men will do to affect my life or to threaten my peace, friends, it is a providence. It is an assignment that God has sent to us as individuals. And hey, he doesn't send the same assignment to every person, does he? You don't have to face the same thing as I have to face, do you? But friends, I know you have to face offenses. I know it. And oh, how I wish. Now we're going to have a whole class. We're going to have a whole study on how that if we don't meet the offenses in the right spirit, we don't grow. There's going to be a whole class on that. But you need to know, first of all, that you will be offended. I'm so sorry. I really, really am. If, if, I, if I had anything to do with you, it would be anything but offensive. You know? If I could control everything. <laughs> but i tell you what, something. I cannot control everything. I, w- I only wish I could. Anyway, when the offense comes, it's an assignment to my soul. It is a providence. It is what God wants me to deal with. Now, I want to move over a little bit. I I think I didn't bring what I... Anyways, it's okay. I met a young lady last week. I was in Canada. You know, I can't even remember who she was. Uh, Even last week. That's where my mind is. But anyway, it's not very good. But I met a young lady last week and she came to me and I know that I was the teacher in the Bible school 18 years ago. And so she came to me and she says, you kept repeating one phrase and she says, I've never forgotten that phrase. You know what the phrase was? It is obstacles that make men strong. Not helps, but it is hardships that make men of moral sinew. That's what the, that's what the it's a quotation, of course, from the Spirit of Prophecy. It is obstacles that make men strong. And apparently I used to have to try to convince myself of it because I repeated it often. <laughs> and this is the one thing she remembered from the time that I was a Bible teacher. It is obstacles that make men strong. It is offenses. That will give us a sweet spirit. Doesn't seem to make much sense does it. But friends it will give us a sweet spirit. If we will accept. That this is an assignment from God. And God wants us to deal with the situation. In his spirit. Do you. That's what we want. Have you ever worked with lumber. Did you ever have a little project. You're building a dollhouse, you're building a birdhouse, you're building a window, you're building whatever it is that you're building, you're working with wood, and all that you've got left is one piece of wood, and it's all warped and crooked and weak. And you come to yourself and you say, why? Why does this thing have to happen that way? Can't all the lumber be smooth and straight and true? Why not? Do you know why not? Because Genesis chapter 3 verse 17 says, it's for our sakes. That's what it says there. God cursed the ground for what? For our sakes. That's right. And do you know that it's for our sakes that the machinery machinery breaks down? It's for our sakes that our cars sometimes won't start. It's for our sakes that sometimes people do funny things and sometimes not so funny things. It's for our sakes. But in the world, of course, we would turn the air blue, wouldn't we? But we're not of the world, are we? And so you know that in the church, we don't have the habit of turning the air blue in cursing and swearing because we're so angry. But sometimes anger manifests itself anyway. We turn the air blue in another way. As Christians, we ought to know this. And here's the quotation that I recited a while ago. God never leads his children otherwise than they would choose to be led. How often? Never. Never. Isn't that amazing? Can you believe it? God never leads his children otherwise than they would choose to be led. Do you know that I would never have chosen to have my green card confused or gone or missing or not in the computer? I'd never choose that. It's frustrating. I don't want to leave Eden Valley right now. That's not in my plans. I have my little, you know, plan made. I know what I want to do. I don't intend to stay here forever, but I I have a plan. I have a desire. I have a certain goal. I want to reach it. I can't feel free to leave now. And then something like this happens and you go, no, no. It's the devil. Well, maybe. It's the devil. But the Bible is, uh, excuse me, the Lord in heaven is sovereign. Do you know what that means? That means that even the devil can't do what he wants to do. The devil will do all that the Lord allows him to do in wickedness. And this is part of it, I suppose. But God never. How often? Never. God never leads his children otherwise than they would choose to be led. If they could see the end from the beginning and discern the glory of the purpose which are fulfilling, which they are fulfilling as co-workers with him. Everything that's happening to you. Is an assignment sent by God with a glorious purpose in the end? If we will not mess up God's purpose, do you know we can, with a perverted will? With yeah, we can. We can. And so God says, I want you to accept the assignment, and I want you to deal with it as Jesus would. Oh. Suppose we're, we're not dealing with warped boards and not enough rain. Suppose we're dealing with warped minds and not enough brains. Suppose we're not working with, in a word working shop. Suppose we we're working in an institution. In a lifestyle center in, 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 in what do we call here? The village? <laughs> yeah. Supposing we're working with people instead of with machinery. Now I'll tell you what, I prefer to work with people than machinery. Ask my wife. I'm a great mechanic. But my car ends up with dents on it (laughs) because it makes me so mad. (laughs) Yeah, I never quite react that way with people. Well, I guess I better be careful. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Someone might say, oh, if I could only find someone that's just so nice and just so sweet, I would gladly be willing to work with someone like that. But this person that the Lord has sent in my life, she's just a misery. You know, she's so stubborn and she's so this and she's so that. Or he, you know. That's too hard. That's too much for my character. Why does God have people like that in our lives? Couldn't he just surround us with easier people than what we are surrounded with? What do you think? He could. But friends, we're in a school. And we're here to learn something. And God knows just the individual that I need. Just the individual. Shouldn't I be praising the Lord for every person that comes our way? Shouldn't we? Yeah. Let me tell you something. If everybody was just so perfect and just so nice and such a pleasure to work with, you know what God would have to do? Why? He'd have to get rid of all of them and get you a new batch. No, He would. And you know, I've been at Eden Valley for a year and a half, and it's been a pleasure. It really has been a pleasure. I don't know that I've been in an institution where it has been as pleasant as it has been for a year and a half. Do you know what's happening for the last little while? People are leaving. Now, some people look at me and say, well, you must. there must be something terrible at Eden Valley. People are leaving in droves, and I'm shaking my head, and I say, usually that's the case, but it isn't the case this time. And it's the nicest people that are living. There's just all the nice people are why can't we keep them? We're used to working with these people, aren't we? We've somehow managed to just everyone find their little spot and everything's okay. Do you know what God is doing? Why he's sending us a new batch. Do you know why? And do you know what they're going to be like? <laughs> they're going to be great people. It's us that's the problem. You see? And he has to send someone to help us because we're so the way we are, whatever it is. And I don't want to tell you how you are. You're, you're great, actually. I've loved everyone here. I really, really have. I want you to turn with me to Matthew 14. We're almost done. Matthew 14. I think uh, we touched on this a little bit in our last lesson. I don't know why I'm in the sermon because I'm doing part two of the same sermon um, I don't know why originally I repeated twice, but I guess it's for impact, right? We're in uh, Matthew chapter 14. Jesus has an assignment for his disciples, just like he has an assignment for us all the time. And so in verse 16, Jesus said to them, they need not depart. This is the disciples were talking about all the people, 5,000 men, not including women, not including children. He says, they don't need to leave. Then he said to them, give ye them what? To eat, Was that a fair assignment? How would you like to be in their shoes? You got 5,000 men there with their wives, some of them. Some of their children are there. There's probably 10,000 plus people there. And Jesus said, hey, feed them. You know, I hear a few complaints sometimes right out of the kitchen. We have between 20 and 40 people to feed. And boy, are we swamped or what? And we have plenty of food. They didn't have any. <laughs> None at all. And so the Lord comes to them and he says, here's your assignment. I want you to feed them. Was it a problem? Oh, yeah, it was a problem. I'd hate to have to face that problem. The truth of the matter is, friends, we do face that problem. We face it every day. Every time an individual shows up, God says, feed them. That's your job. Didn't Jesus say to Peter after he had been converted, feed my sheep, feed my lamb. Did the Lord ever say, I don't want you to feed them? (laughs) No. But the, the disciples were facing a huge problem. And I want you to notice what their solution was. Verse 15. And when it was evening, the disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place. There's no food here. And the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals, food. That was their solution. Was it a solution? Would it have solved the disciples' problems? Of course, it would have solved the disciples' problem. But you see how we think as human beings? When we have a problem, we think it's our problem. We don't consider the problem that the other person has. There's 5,000 people hungry there. And instead of being concerned for their hunger and for their comfort and for their needs, what did they do? They were considering their need, their problem. How do I solve my problem? How often that happens? You know, my wife had a chainsaw on her hand not so long ago. Uh, a couple of years ago, and she was cutting a little sapling, not noticing that it was caught up in a guy wire. It wasn't a sapling. It was probably four inches uh, in, 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 in diameter. diameter. Yeah. And so she was cutting it. But because it was bound in the, in the guy wire, it had tension on it. And when she cut through, it kicked the chainsaw her way and cut her leg. I mean, mean cut her leg. All her tendons and her Everything. She was alone. She crawled out of the bush and onto a driveway because it was our home and we had a long driveway and it was a hill going down to a cul-de-sac. So she's there up in the hill and she's calling because there's an airport across the street, but nobody at the airport can hear. She calls and calls. Finally, she has nothing to do. She rolls down the hills all the way to the center of the cul-de-sac. She's calling and nobody can hear. A car comes along, if I remember the story right and it seems like it doesn't make any sense to me. A car comes along, drives right around her. There's a lady down in the middle of the road <laughs> with her leg bleeding. And the car goes all around and leaves. No? Okay, good. It wasn't true. I had that impression. All right. Well, then there's another car that comes around. This one is the only car that came around. <laughs> all right. So only one car comes along and she goes around my wife and stops. And the lady looks out and says... Uh, do you have a problem? <laughs> well, yeah, she had a problem. So I don't know the whole story, except that, anyhow, the lady finally runs up to our house and gets a blanket. And she comes back down to where my wife is in the middle of the road with the blanket. And she says, "She says, hey, my father was a doctor, and I know just what to do. Do you know what she did? She wrapped the blanket around herself. <laughs> uh, I don't know. And she did manage to take my wife to town, though, but... She, uh, anyway, that's how you told me the story. Get the story straight, why don't you? (laughs) Well, then, let me tell you another story. There's nobody here to contradict it. (laughs) Oh, brother. Hmm. I told you this story last time, I think. There was an accident down in the city. And there was a lady who witnessed it, and she She saw this huge accident and there was somebody hurt there. And I think I said, I don't know if I said this thing last time or not. And so she said, oh, I'm so glad that I've taken a first aid course. Now I know just what to do. She sat down on the curb and put her head between her legs. She knew what to do. Who do we take care of? Whose problems do we solve? Are we not always so prone to solve our own problems, not considering what the other person might need? Isn't that the way it is with a lot of people, with a lot of us sometimes? Jesus said to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to go and help those people. What did Jonah do? Uh, He thought it was a huge problem. Friends, you would have thought it was a huge problem too. Those Ninevites were not nice people. They were cruel people. You just have to read in the Bible the way it was. He wouldn't go there. He didn't want to go there. He solved his problem, right? He was going in the other direction. Well, anyhow, how is it with you? What do you do with the assignments that God sends your way? His providences, His life circumstances. Do you complain and cry and rebel and and chew the rag like the Israelites used to do in the old days? You try to evade the problem, escape it, dodge it. What do you do? Turn with me to John chapter 18. I should have checked out my story. John chapter 18. Verse 11. This is about Jesus. Then said Jesus unto Peter. Put up your sword into the sheath. The cup which my father has given me. Shall I not drink it? Did Jesus have an assignment? Yeah. Did He like it? No. Did He try to get out of it? Yeah. Yeah. I suppose you, like me, like everyone else here, have problems. I don't know where your problems are in your home, in your heart, on your, in your situation. You may be facing a problem that is just, Just making you afraid. You know, my heart sank a few times this week. (laughs) They're problems. They're just problems. How to deal with them. How to have the right spirit. How to get on your knees and say, Lord, I'll do whatever you say. But it looks like disaster. It looks like disaster. Does your heart ever sink? Do you ever have a fear that just turns everything into knots? Yeah. What should you do? Friends, here's what you do. You go to Gethsemane and watch. Watch. He watches Jesus as He wrestles, as He sweats great drops of blood, as He weeps, as He cries, as He pleads with His Father that anything else but this, anything else but this. But in the end, what did Jesus do? He accepted the assignment. That's what He did. Yeah. And we can too. And Lord, And friends, the Lord is going to guide us. He's going to bless us. There isn't one assignment that will hurt us. Not one. Not one. It's amazing. Sometimes I look at some of the problems that come my way and my heart sinks because I see no solution. I see only disaster. I see only failure. I see only problems. And you know what? There's a little voice in my mind that says, Don't worry. I can handle this. You can't, but I can. And I will. I'll tell you what to do. And all of it will evaporate before you. And you know, it's true. It's true. I will not take that bitter thrust which rent my heart today as coming from an earthly soul, though it was meant that way. But I will look beyond the tool because my life is planned. I take the cup my father gives. I take it from his hand. He knows and even thus allows these little things that irk. I trust his wisdom and his love. Let patience have her work. Though human means have brought the sting, I firmly take this stand. My loving Father holds the cup. I take it from His hand. Now those who watch may wonder why these things do not disturb. I look right past the instrument and see my Lord superb. The trials which would lay me low must pass through His command. He holds the outstretched cup to me. I take it from His hand. I accept the assignment. Do you? That's the first step in problem solving. The Lord will solve all of our problems. If we will recognize not the offensive individual, but if we will see God behind it all, knowing that He's working out our Christian growth, He is. He's our teacher, and He's going to get us to the kingdom. I have no fear.